This is the end of our series on uh, 1 Corinthians that we've been working through, and uh, there's no better place to end than talking about love, which was really the punchline of the, of the whole book. So to start off, I'm going to invite Josiah up. He's going to read the scriptures um, that the, from 1 Corinthians 13, and um, yeah. And then we'll, uh, we'll kick into things from there. So come on up, buddy. Grab the microphone. Can we get the, uh... no? <laughs> uh, uh. Okay, all right, then. all right. So, First Corinthians thirteen. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. Oh, there's no question. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered and keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection, as in a mirror. But then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. That was one clap, but which is one clap more than I normally get, so, so you did well. Thanks, Jess. That was great. All right, so I'm just going to pray for our speakers collectively, and then I'm going to invite our first one up. So God, I just pray that your spirit would be here. I pray that you'd be opening our hearts to what you'd have for us. We know that you use people to bless people. We know that tonight you're going to use people to speak words of truth, words of challenge, words of encouragement, words that are going to stir our hearts, God. And we we say yes to that now. We say yes to what you want to to plant in us tonight. And we pray for these speakers too, that you would anoint them for what uh, they are to to give and for this job that uh, that they have tonight to to share with us. So come, Lord, and be amongst us. Amen. All right, people. Well, the first person that you're going to be hearing from 
tonight is the lovely, the delightful Miss Ashley Giles. Okay, if I'm shaking, it's because I'm cold, not because I'm nervous. Okay. That's all believable, eh? <laughs> so, with that scripture in mind, um, there's no escaping what this passage is about. And the one verse that convinced me that I have something worthy of sharing was the last line in the message translation, um, which goes like this. But for now, until the completeness, we have three things to lead us towards the consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly, and the best of the three is love. Love extravagantly, lacking restraint, exceeding what is reasonable or appropriate. What a way to describe the love we are to embody. I love the idea of church and faith being a place where we can say the things we've never said out loud and grapple with those feelings. Church being a safe place, a place of love. When you actually share your thoughts with another and them not judging you and sometimes feeling the same way, those are the moments I live for and the moments I'm so thankful for the people I get to drown myself with. For me, speaking at church is coming to a point of true vulnerability, especially when talking of a subject such as love. Love is something so necessary so personal and coming to that vulnerability you have to deal with a few things internally and have a conversation with yourself on certain things so essentially what I'm telling you tonight is a conversation I've had with myself over the past year or so imagine me in my car talking a million miles an hour until the tears start flowing and realizing oh this does actually affect me maybe I should give this the consideration it probably deserves love is easy when it's a good movie or a new pair of shoes but what happens when it contradicts what you once knew or thought you knew? This is the type of love I have been torn apart through God as of late. I have a cousin who has made the decision that he no longer wants to be a woman. The loud words of the internet tell us that Christians aren't supportive of this. Wikipedia sums Christianity's views on it as ranging from condemning transgender acts as sinful to remaining divided on the issue to seeing it as morally acceptable. Even within a denomination, individuals and groups may hold different views. Furthermore, not all members of a de denomination necessarily support their church views on transgenderism. I think this describes church quite well, in that we all have different views and different backgrounds that shape our point. Which makes church sometimes a place of hurt, but also a place of extreme beauty when we look beyond differences. I'm told often by non-Christians, but also Christians, that we as the church, aren't supposed to be supportive of that. That that is not love. But he's my own flesh and blood. How am I not supposed to love him? God knows how many hairs are on my head just as he does his. What separates us from God's love? I struggled with this when it first happened. Mainly because it was around the time of Caitlyn Jenner. And I remember having a conversation with God. It was very short and very one-sided. God, I don't know how to feel about this, and I don't need to have opinions on everything, so I'm just going to sit this one out. So that's what I did. I didn't read anything, knew pretty much nothing under my rock. And that's when I got an email from my aunt, describing the process that my cousin has chosen to go down. Good one, God, that's the last time I owe you anything. <laughs> my cousin has gone through an awful time before making this decision, having to be talked off the edge of life so many times. My aunt described it as walking through a minefield in the dark. She too has struggled and questioned her own faith through it, saying many Christian websites tend to be 
unhelpful in a hurtful kind of way, suggesting bad parenting and even sexual abuse. This is not my cousin's story. Since he is engaged in this process, it has changed his life completely. From the once haunted, she describes him as happy and cheerful. He had convinced himself that he wouldn't have been met with acceptance, with love. I can't explain this or even begin to understand it. All I know is what once struggled to be a place of love suddenly changed. We live a distance from my cousin, or what I know is the next time I see him, I'll show him love. He's accepted by me. Love extravagantly. I think that's what God has been showing me. Extravagant love that we can't afford. Therefore, why are we trying to define it? A love that hurts to give away. That's the love God's calling me to. I love my family, but it's a love that's hard because no matter what they do, you're a family and you're called to love. And what does that look like? And then, if we think of, about the church and why does still the world as a family, what does it look to love it like then? <laughs> I think without admitting that, at least for myself, I struggle to love when there's a chance it could hurt. But the thing I'm learning about God, even if it is stubbornly, is as soon as I decide to limit my faith, he blows that wide open and challenges that boundary. It is a constant growth that hurts, but is so beautifully bound in love. For me personally, what has helped is reading literature from both non-Christians and Christians that forms my faith. Reading memos of people I could never understand, but end up loving them through their words, or in some cases, feeling even more uncomfortable. It has been a fun year of pushing the boundaries within my own mind, because that is what I feel like God has called me to, to love extravagantly, and I don't want it to hurt so much. So I'm trying to get in rhythms of love and breaking down what I defined God to be, or what I felt like others had defined God to be for me. In saying this, I know God will always be growing and forming me, or at least that will be my prayers on my brave days. And with growth comes pain. This kind of love may seem easy for you to embody, and you might think I'm making a big fuss out of nothing. I come from a very conservative family where this subject previously wouldn't have even been mentioned, let alone pursued. What I love about God love, God's love is witnessing love in action. So seeing how other people love inspires me to live out of that kind of love. So I encourage you to love and inspire through your love because I'm inspired by watching you all and I know others are as well. I've been shown that through my family. I have been really challenged and inspired by the love that my family has chosen to live out of. Yes, there is hurt, but it comes out of misunderstanding. A book that has encouraged and challenged me through this is um, a book called Midnight Jesus by Jamie Blaine. He's a licensed psychotherapist and crisis interventionist. Uh, what a job title. <laughs> and this is something he has to say. It might sound goofy, but the only way I know to do any, any sort of, sorry, any sort of counseling, crisis intervention, or outreach ministry is to believe that I'm going to hang out with Jesus. Jesus said, whatever you do for the least of my brothers and sisters, you do for me. So when I go see that guy in jail who is crying and kicking the wall, I think, there's Jesus. And if he's eating screws and he curses and throws his shoes at me, well, maybe it's more like, okay, that's Jesus' little brother. Still, better be patient, be kind. When I drive up at four in the morning to see some woman babbling to aliens and doing the tango hustle through her neighbor's yard with tinfoil wrapped around her head and no pants on, there's Jesus, or at least his little sister. So find her some pants, bring her cold water, sit on the back steps, and listen to whatever story she needs to tell. 
do the best I can to help get her from where she is to where she needs to be. Because someday Jesus will meet me outside the gate, and I don't think he's going to ask where I went to church or how many Bible verses I memorized. He's going to say, where were you when I was sick, when I was in jail? How about when I was hungry? Where were you when I lost my mind? Sometime I th- sometimes I think the best ministry is just to be there, with no answers or agendas, willing to admit that there are some things in life you can't fix or figure out. Makes things simpler if I look at it that way. I don't have to be good at systems and sermons or magic phrases and prayers. I don't have to be charming or motivational or articulate. All I have to do is be willing to show up and sit with Jesus. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly, and the best of the three is love. Since writing the body of this message, there have been restless, there have been many restless nights where my mind won't go to sleep. Um, my grandma got rushed to the hospital yesterday, and around her hospital bed there was laughter and love. But thinking about my family so strongly recently, it's just been beautiful. It was just such a beautiful moment. And I felt God smiling down. Uniting us once again in love. Love extravagantly. always inspiring eh, when someone's willing to be vulnerable and actually kind of wear their heart publicly because we tend to want to tuck that away safely in the quiet don't we so thanks Ash it's awesome alright it's our favourite Englishman Zach Misson hello everybody hello <laughs> Um, there's a whole lot of stuff we can talk about when it comes to this topic of love. Um, for me, some of the things that I love is things like skiing, rugby, and um, there's been a bit of a joke going around that I love my underwear. Um, so much so that Liam has, um, and I think Isaac and Sarah maybe, were, um, they crea- created an Instagram account um, about my underwear. So it's called Missing Down Under. Pardon the pun. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, um, love. Uh, It's pretty obvious that 1 Corinthians 13 is a chapter about love. Um, It's probably one of the most famous um, chapters in the Bible, as is read at most weddings during the service. Um, If you haven't come, if you've been coming along to these services, uh, you'll know that we've been um, talking about this series called Wisdom, Faith, and City Living. Um, which has been going through the Bible, this book in the Bible of 1 Corinthians 13. Um, this book is based on letters by the, um, that Paul the Apostle wrote to the church in Corinth. Um, once he heard, they'd gone like a, a little bit off the rails. Um, bearing this in mind, we have to remember the context the letters were written in. The Corinthians had been influenced by their surroundings, and they found themselves where they were kind of like missing the point a little bit. Although they were trying their best, they were missing out on the main focus point, which was the gospel. And how, and how it started. It started doing arguments alongside one another and like stirring up conflict. So we have to be intention, intentional and focused 
that we don't fall into this trap and that we um, won't be influenced by the surroundings that we find ourselves in. When I looked at what sort of things that we might be influenced in by our surroundings today, I thought of the media. Don't worry, I'm not going to do like a classic, classic cliche of uh, how the media affects us, although ultimately it does. <laughs> um, but I thought more about the music that we listen to. Um, music is awesome, and I love listening to music a lot. Um, but a great example of, on this topic of love is the music that in the charts today. So many songs talk about love in a, many colorful ways. And a lot of them kind of miss the point. The love that they're singing about isn't really true love. Um, I've been quite disturbed as to what we're allowing ourselves to listen to nearly every day. I remember a time when I was younger, and I was singing along to one of my favorite bands. I can't exactly remember which one, but it was either Busted or McFly. We've got an image of them. Um, they're both British bands, and I thought they were the epitome of cool. And you could say that they kind of had an influence on me in some ways. Michael? Either that or I just discovered gel. <laughs> anyway, I remember singing along to, at the top of my voice to one of their songs. And my mum turned to me and said, you wouldn't sing like that, Zach. Or, I hope you wouldn't sing to girls like that. And looking back at the time, I was very confused of what she meant in the moment as I was just mindlessly singing the lyrics, as you do. But looking back now, I can see what she meant. The lyrics are pretty disrespectful. Do you ever do that? Just like look back at songs that you used to listen to as kids and kind of realize what, what it was and how innocent we all once were. But this is the thing. Love is not what these songs are made out to be. In verse 6 of 1 Corinthians 13, it says, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Love is kind. It is not all about getting wasted in clubs and dancing and making love to one another. There is so much more to it than that. I'm no love expert, but I've experienced some love, and that's Jesus' love, which never fails and is always there. A love that is so strong that some dude, like 2,000 years ago, gave his life so that we may be free. How flipping cool is that? <laughs> um, I want that love and not the love that these guys sing about in their songs. But let me tell you about love because it's up for grabs. It's here tonight, right in this room, and it's available for anybody who wants it. For those of you who don't know, I moved to New Zealand roughly nine months ago, and it was pretty cool. <laughs> um, when I initially left home on this crazy adventure, it was about a year ago, I didn't know anybody here apart from Jacinda. Um, who had only met once before, and it was for a couple of days. <laughs> In that time, she managed to convince me to move to New Zealand. <laughs> I must say I had to put my trust in God um, that he had it all planned out for me. When I arrived in New Zealand, the only two people I knew were Jacinda and Sarah, after traveling around the States for two and a half months. That was it. I didn't know who I was going to be living with. Um, all I knew that they were called the Youngs, <laughs> they lived two minutes from the beach, which I was pretty stoked about, and they had a huge cat called Sherlock. <laughs> He's pretty big. <laughs> I've, I've recently found that out since, since, since arriving. But despite not knowing anybody, I was soon introduced to a huge number of people, and it was instantly welcomed into this environment. 
What I experienced in those first couple of weeks was the love that people had. People of the church who, although they didn't know me, they just welcomed me and they loved me. A few months ago, I had a really strong wave of homesickness. And during that time, I arrived at the office one day. I'd been on the phone all morning talking to my mum and crying. I tried putting on a brave face as I walked into the office and a brave smile and acting like nothing, everything was okay and nothing was the matter. But as soon as um, Kilan asked me how I was doing, <laughs> I just, <laughs> as he does every morning, just put it out there, um, I burst into tears. <laughs> Um, Kilan and Fiona were the only ones in the office when I arrived that morning. They sat me down and calmed me, chatted through, sing, through some things, and they ultimately they loved me. A few days later, I arrived in the office to a great cake that Fiona had made on my desk. Um, this really touched me, and Fiona had gone in touch with my, with my mum and asked what my favourite cake was and made it for me. Um, this is such a, it was such a boost for me to know how much I, I was loved and how much, like, to go through that. And so, yeah, thank you, Fiona. <laughs> um, I was looking for, I always look forward to going to the office and I can't wait for my Wednesdays and Fridays to come around because it's such an awesome environment and the people in there are always so loving. So, thank you, guys. I can think of many more times um, that people have been so loving to me here in New Zealand. And one of them is the friendship group that I have. I will say this truthfully and wholeheartedly, that the friendship group I have here is much stronger and far more genuine than the friends I have back home. Although they are great at home, there is something missing there, and I think that something is the love of Jesus. My friends here all share the same love for God. In 1 John 4.8, it says that God is love. I guess what I'm trying to say is that wherever God is, love is. And I have experienced this through my time here at Coast. From the moment that I got off the plane, love is one of the main things that I have experienced, and it's because God is here. Now, I'm not saying that everybody will have this experience in church, but I will hope that you do. Um, when a newcomer comes to this church, we hand them out a welcome pack. And on this welcome pack, it says, Welcome to our family. I think this is such a great thing, and it's so true, because we are all a family. And I hope that you all feel the same as I do for this church. So what do families do best? They love one another. Um, they're always there for one another, and they laugh together too. So here's my family back home. There's um, my brother Toby, my sister Sophie, my dad Peter, and my mother Helen. Um, I was brought up in a Christian family, and both mum and dad were as well, so it's all I've really ever known. Although God has always been at the center of our family, we have been through quite a lot of crap. Um, I know you're not supposed to say that stuff in church, but it's kind of true. <laughs> um, not many people know, but um, my sister has suffered from anorexia nervosa for the last seven or eight years. And it's been a tough couple of years, but um, we stuck through it, and we loved Sophie endlessly. We would always say that it wasn't Sophie that we hated, but the illness, which is so true. Um, Although there was this illness and it tried endlessly to tear us apart and made life horrible, especially at mealtimes, we stayed strong and loved each other. Looking back over these years with the struggles of Sophie's illness, the final chapter of the, the um, final verse of this chapter, um, 1 Corinthians 13, really speaks out to me. It says, And now these three remain, 
faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of all is love. For me, especially. I hope that each day something would change for Sophie. And although we were occasionally angry at God for the illness, we went back to him over and over again. Because he is a God that loves, and he is a God that gives love. So, whatever life may throw at you, be it pain, suffering, joy, peace, remember that these things, rem- these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of all is love. Inspiring stuff, eh? It's great. Really good. Thank you. Just give you a moment. There might be just some things there that are just sort of sinking in, settling in your heart. So take a breath. Have a ponder. All right. So the last of our three speakers tonight is the wonderful, the inspiring Mrs. Karen Bailey. Come on up, Karen. All right, thank you. I'm Karen. I'm a teacher. I'm married to Ivan. Most people know Ivan more than they know me because he's pretty memorable. And he's updated my talk tonight. The pseudonyms are Sam and Frodo. I, don't, I think he thought I was a bit dated this morning. All right. I have changed some of my stories because there's so many stories to tell. I want to um, talk tonight about the fact that love is selfless. It's an action and it's steadfast. God calls us into love with his command. And I love that the Bible says that we obey his commands because we love him. So even the action of obedience comes out of love. So to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. Some of you might not be as old as me but when I was a kid we had an acronym, Joy, Jesus, Others, Yourself and that was the order in which you were to love. The work that I do is to love children whom others have rejected who have heard or received the message, I am stupid, no one cares, I'm a failure. This world isn't a safe place. These children have experienced shame and condemnation. In order to love these children who are unlovable in so many of their behaviours, is to trust God. It's to trust in the love that God has for me. It's to know that he loves me And out of that love, I can love these children. Frodo. Frodo. We'll go with Frodo. Um, (laughs) So Frodo's had a traumatic childhood, and he comes to me at the age of five, having been stood down from school in the first week of school as a five-year-old, in which I understand he sprayed a teacher with fly spray in the eyes. And he probably used some rather choice words and some other things. And so um, he comes to me a few months later when his mum is desperate. And, you know, it takes time to build relationship with these kids. And one day he threatens to cut my neck with a knife. That was unfortunately one of his traumatic experiences that he had observed. 
Um, he would upturn furniture. One day, he even went to the neighbour's house, turned on their hose full bore in a protection. No one can advance towards me. So, you know, I take the hits. I walk through the spraying hose to turn it off. And one of the boys that was also there with me, he goes, Oh, no. Now you're all wet. He's ruined your dress. <laughs> and I looked at this kid and I said, You know what? I said, I love Frodo more than I love my dress. And it's that sense of I'm not as important in the moment as these kids are in sharing the love of God for these children. Love is selfless to the point of getting my dress wet and being told that he would like to return with a knife to cut my throat. Um, Love is an action. It's something that we do. It's loving the one in front of us and being moved to action to meet the needs that we see. By loving these people, I seek to lighten their load. I want to communicate. I see you. I know you. I understand. When I dropped Frodo home one day, um, I knew his mother was taking a relative to the airport that morning, and so she'd asked me to pick him up from school. And he's since started going back to school an hour a day. And um, I said to her, how did it go? She said, oh, it was really good. But um, she said, my mother, and both her parents are working, my mother gave me $20 for petrol, she said, and my mother told me that if the relative gave me any money for petrol, I was to give it straight back to her. She said, I don't even have any money. She says, all I've got left this week to feed us is $15. So I went to my wallet and I emptied out everything that I had and I gave it to her. Love is an action. It's meeting a need that is in front of you. My love and my work resonates with the words of Jesus, and I love these words. Matthew 9:36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus was plagued by these crowds all the time, He could have said, I'm harassed (laughs) by these people. But instead, he always had compassion. He always had time to look at what was in front of him and to act on it. And I want to look at these children, the people that God brings me with compassion, to see that actually underneath all those negativities, all those behaviors, is someone who is harassed and helpless, who's desperate to know God's steadfast love. And that's my third point. I want to love as he loves, extravagantly. (laughs) I want to, um, you know, these children, I want to love those who have known fear, failure, rejection, abuse, neglect, maltreatment. It's my privilege to show them steadfast love. This means loving them even when they do really hard things. Frodo, when... The first time I met Frodo's real behaviour was, um, so it was on his first day. We sat, he had afternoon tea, and he puts his feet on the table, which is not normally something you allow. So I corrected him. Could see there was a bit of resistance, so I drew him onto my knee, in which case he promptly headbutts me, punches me, and kicks me. (laughs) I suggest 
he really might like to go down and play on the lawn. (laughs) In which case, I take the opportunity and I whisper in Frodo's ear and I say, Frodo, I am so pleased you are here. He didn't know I was, I mean, he would have known he hurt me, but I didn't condemn him, I didn't correct him, I didn't judge him. But I seized the opportunity to show him steadfast love. These children that we deal with, they shout, they yell, they kick, they verbally abuse. In fact, he repeatedly smashed the indicator light on my van. Once he broke it the first time, he figured out that every time he wanted to break it. If I glued it back, he broke it again. Ivan said, well, someone really ought to pay for this. Yes, in our world, we would expect someone to pay for it. But in the world of love and steadfast love, I knew his mum couldn't afford to pay for it. I didn't want him to feel condemnation about it. So eventually we replaced it and he never broke it again. That was good. Um, my father, but well, we glued it back together to get the warrant, eh? and then he broke it. And uh, yeah, so anyway. We went back for the warrant with a new one. Um, But my father would constantly say, now my father loves me, but he would constantly say, you can't do this. You mustn't do this. You mustn't have this child. It's not safe. It's not safe for you. It's not safe for your children. And we can look at that and go, he loves me, which I know my father loves me. But he was speaking out of fear, not steadfast love, not the love that God shows us. He was afraid for me and in the bible we read perfect love casts out or drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment so the steadfast love of our lord which never ceases is the love that doesn't punish it doesn't judge you think of the woman who was caught in the act of adultery and quite rightly the bystanders could have stoned her but jesus intervened very cleverly he was always very clever and he he put it back on them so he didn't say no don't stone her but he intervened to prevent the judgment and the punishment and the fear and he showed her love and it is my belief that steadfast love is healing that that woman caught in adultery when she was shown extravagant love she turned her life around She ceased doing that which was wrong. And it's my belief that when I show these kids extravagant love without punishing them, without making them pay, that they will be healed, that they will turn their lives around. And Frodo did to such a great extent. I mean, one day he smashed um, the window on the side of the van by throwing rocks. And it it was semi-accidentally. He loves to smash stuff. So I think he was kind of hoping to smash it but it wasn't an aggressive act um, but it happened all the same and unfortunately for Frodo that meant that I couldn't take him out for the day which was the worst thing that could happen to him because it wasn't safe for me to drive around without a window on the side of my van and um, so I sat in his driveway while I rang the insurance company to figure out what what to do next and um, he comes out with a piece of paper unprompted his mother intervened 
and didn't intervene at all. It wasn't her idea. And he comes out with a piece of paper and on it he's written, I'm sorry. Frodo would never have said such a thing. <laughs> he wanted to, to do away with me. Um, and voluntarily, he now seeks to maintain relationship, to maintain connection because he has experienced steadfast, extravagant love. And the challenge for us is Philippians 2, 1-2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. So if anything, if we have experienced anything, anything of God's love, of his fellowship, then he asks that we would also share and replicate that same love. stand to you. Um, yeah, we've heard some very different stories about love, about how that gets outworked, how people see it, how um, they've experienced it, the way that they seek to choose to love in in their lives in the, in the situation um, I've just been enjoying sitting listening to different people these ones that have, have shared and just um, you know I'm, I've been feeling inspired uh, but what I believe that God wants to do just in this moment that we have now is that um is he's just going to plant some excitement in some hearts to actually step into the world and really make a difference. I've, I know that there's a lot of people here that are younger than me. A couple over there that aren't. Um, um, but I heard a... Um, it's a quote that's always stuck with me. That uh, it, I, 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 sorry, I can't tell you who first said it, but it, it, he said this: that if you're not a revolutionary when you're 20, you haven't got a heart. And you know, we're hearing, we've heard stories about like Midnight Jesus, and you know, it's inspired Ash. And I know that Ash has done different things similar herself, which she hasn't shared about that uh, where she's done some pretty revolutionary things in the name of love and Zach's travelled from the, the backwaters of Wales and um, it's, it's, I ask him like where's you ask him like was there a town like near you he goes um, no <laughs> it's just it's just you gotta drive like you can just get the milk it's a long drive but uh, um, and obviously Karen with the work that she does with uh, with kids it's uh, it's it's revolutionary stuff and it's 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 revolutionary inspired by love i'm going to pray for us and could i just encourage you to just open your hearts
to what God may drop in. Open your head, open your heart. And it's a, I know it's this whole thing. How do you know if it's God speaking? Well, all I can say is that just try and clear your thoughts and just see what lands there. Because quite often when we invite God to speak to us, that's what he does. He drops things into our, into our heads. And then talk to someone about it. Say, hey, I, you know, this dropped into my head. I think it might be God. What do you think? And just get, get your, you know, talk with your friends about it. See what... Um, See where it goes. So you up for it? Okay, I'm just going to pray. And it's just in the stillness of this time together. It won't be a long time. And we'll just see what, um, see what God speaks to me. All right. Okay, so, so God, we, we invite you now to, to speak to us. We're so grateful that you are a God that does communicate with us, even though we... We know in part, we prophesy in part, we see as in a, in a, uh, in a, in a dim mirror the, the words and, of you and, and our understanding of you, but we know that you speak to us. And so we say, we ask for that now, God. Reveal your plans and purposes for us now. If there is something that you've got for us, God, just in this, in this moment now where we're open before you, speak to us God plant something in our hearts that would turn into uh, turn into something that would change the world get a sense that there's going to be, for some of you, that it's going to be like this midnight Jesus guy, where just getting out in the wee small hours of the night, helping people that are struggling big time in life out on the streets. You can see this picture too of some of you um, getting on planes and just getting to places that you're and you're so far out of your comfort zone that you almost want to get back on the plane again and come back again but you as you do this you, god's going to be alongside you and doing miraculous things through you and i get a sense too that this interesting that phrase that popped into my head about 20 year old i i really feel that it's a funny thing it's i feel that there are people that are 20 or nearly 20 just just on top of, uh, of climbing into their twenties, and in this, in that, in this next twelve months, that he is really inviting you 
to to step into some risk, step into adventure, and just to be open to that. I can it's, I, I can almost see it. I can almost see this year, this twelve months unfolding in front of me, and having a number of you just go like, "This is what I'm thinking about doing," and it's kind of a, it's a little bit it's it's right out of most people's comfort zone it's a little on the edge but there's just this this bubbling passion in you i just feel like i've just got to do this thing and i'm just just motivated by the love of god so take those away that may be a word from god for you take what he's planted in your head and heart even now let me just pray for you and bless you as we uh, as we close what I'd love to do as well is um, I'd love to give people the opportunity if they would like some people to to pray with them. And it, it might be, just with the sake of it might be that you jump up onto these front seats here. I think that might be the, the best thing to do. Just just come forward and and, uh, and maybe grab the person who's seats and say, come with me, come up the front and we'll, 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 we'll get some prayer and um, and I just really believe that God wants to add to whatever he's doing tonight. And if you sort of feel, oh, wow, I really feel like this is God thing that's happening with me, then, then let's, let's get some others around and pray with you and see where it goes. That would be, uh, be fun. All right, but let me pray and we'll close, and then we'll just, that will just be this kind of loose thing that will, will happen. All right, sound all right? Okay, so God, we're so grateful for your presence. We're so grateful that we can come in the, the middle of, uh, our lives to this uh, this like this oasis uh, of uh, where we can worship you, where we can open our hearts to you, we can meet with you, we can be inspired by others, we can be with with people that love us, we can be with friends, we can we can laugh together, we can cry together, we can be your people together. And so we're grateful that you're here. We're grateful that you're here tonight. We're grateful that you're uh, you're speaking to us. You're touching hearts. You're stirring us, God, for. Uh, for what you have for us and we're grateful that you're wanting to partner with us god your power and love along with with uh with our uh our meager offering that we bring but but between you and us you want to use us to change the world it's such a cool thing so we're grateful god we're grateful for what you're doing in our lives and i pray now god for your blessing on each person here that there would be a blessing of your presence of your peace and that we would be a people that would go into our workplaces our schools our universities, our neighborhoods, our sports teams, God, our, you know, the cafes, the, our homes, our families, God, and we would be people that would be people of love. As you have loved us, so we will love others, God. That that would be, that would be our week, God, that we would be people that love. Amen. All right, everybody. That is kind of the official part. The music's going to come on. The coffee's on. Hang out as long as you'd like to. If there's anything that's stirred in your heart, like it's such a cool thing to talk to someone about it. So we'd love, we'd love you to do that. And uh, we'd love you to hang out as long as you'd like. God bless you. If I haven't met you before, hopefully we'll get a chance to. And um, we'll look forward to seeing you next week.